Hi there. You're about to listen to a podcast that was recorded before Walker Kessler made his announcement on social media that he would be entering the NBA draft. And according to reporting from Jonathan Giveney at Draft Express and others, uh, does not intend to return to the Tigers next season um, because you can enter the draft and, and come back with a, even with an agent these days. But um, from Kessler's own post and uh, reporting done elsewhere, uh, seems like his Auburn career is done. Uh, his post, which I will read now, said, Coach Pearl recruited me to Auburn University with uh, an idea of being able to accomplish my goals while being close to family. As a team, we were able to win the SEC regular season championship and achieve a number one ranking for the first time in school history. I want to thank all my family and friends uh, for the for the consistent love and support that has provide, been provided to me, the opportunity to f- fulfill my dreams. Auburn University accepted me with open arms and made me feel like I was home. Coach Pearl, Coach uh, Steve, Coach Bowman, Coach Flanagan, managers, and the entire basketball staff have helped me grow as a player and as a person. Thank you all. I'm forever thankful to my teammates, past and present, who, am I, who I am honored to call my brothers. I'm excited to announce that I will be entering my name into the 2022 NBA Draft. Auburn University will always be home, and I will be forever grateful. Um, so you're about to hear a podcast where, uh, at least during the first half of it, we talk about, oh, potentially Walker Kessler could come back. Um, obviously, <laughs> we now know that, but we didn't want to cut out all of it. So um, just know that there are some there's a number of things that are said in the podcast itself that are kind of out of date already just because of the, the way we timed up. They were in date like 30 seconds ago. Yeah, like literally we got done This recording. is the third time this has happened, which all things yeah. considered really not that bad. I can only yeah. remember the Gus instance because it the was The Gus funniest. instance was nuts. Yeah. There was another one not too long ago, but this was perfect when we – click the off button and it was like, and we have an answer about that whole roster management situation. Right. Right. So, all right. So here's, here's the thing. Um, Walker Kessler, obviously there was talk and there was chatter about him and we talk about it in the podcast about, Hey, maybe he'll come, come back. You know, there's, there's reasons to think that he could, um, you stay in school for another year. Obviously going to the league, this falls in line with a lot of what we've seen from Auburn with like Sharif Cooper and JT Thor recently, but also Chumo Kiki, Isaac Okoro. When guys have NBA stock, they go at Auburn. Like the, the, the NBA, unlike the NFL, the NBA is so, puts such a premium on your age and they love young prospects more than anything else. And Kessler could have been dominant for another year in college. I think he's making the best decision for himself and his stock to go ahead and go pro. Auburn does have, as we talk about in the podcast, Yohan Traore, and they're going after other big men in this cycle. I think we talk about this being, you know, Kessler being the next big domino. Boom, here's your domino. Uh, it's actually is, quite helpful if he's going to go, like not having it drag out till the end of May. And look, absolutely. if he had dragged it out and come back, it would have been fine. If he had dragged it out and decided to go pro, you live with it, given how much he contributed this year. But it does help the staff to know already what they've got to do. As we talk about in the podcast, um, Kessler won uh, National Defensive Player of the Year on Sunday. Big award ceremony in New Orleans where they're hosting the Final Four this weekend. We talk about the Final Four, obviously, in the front part of the podcast. Um, really cool moment, I think, to just say, hey, uh, you know, hey, I won, I won National Defensive Player of the Year, and then go ahead and just on that high just say, boom, I'm going to the draft. Like, Defensively, his stock couldn't have been any higher. This is a guy who had, you know, one of the best seasons at rim protecting in modern college basketball history. Um, I think he is going to be a really good pro, and I'll be very excited to see where he ends up. I think it's probably 
you know, mid round, um, maybe a, a team that makes the playoffs this year more than likely. But I think he's going to be fun, and he's going to be a guy that I know Auburn fans are going to uh, be happy for um, moving forward. Auburn would have been it would have been really really cool to see what Auburn would have been like roster wise next season with Walker Kessler. But like this is the nature of being a high level basketball program. Um, you recruit really good talent, you bring them in. Bruce Pearl's done an insane job of developing that talent um, and uh, you know pushing them forward. Uh, and getting him to spots where people didn't expect him to be. I mean, well, Walker Kessel was the third center for uh, North Carolina last season. Um, we, I don't think I talk about it in the podcast stuff, but like Armando Baycott um, was a double-double machine at North Carolina this year, a North Carolina team that doesn't sub very often. If Kessler would have stayed at North Carolina, he would not have had the opportunity to have the season that he had. Carolina ends up going on this run. It's a great season for them. Baycott's been unreal this season much like Oscar Sheboy was in terms of double doubles at, uh, you know, Kentucky. It was just a, a decision that worked out for Kessler in a huge, huge way. And um, he is going to be a big reason why people are going to look back at this team, like with Jabari Smith and say, man, that was a really, really special team um, was the anchor of an elite defense. So uh, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot in here about Kessler towards the beginning. Just know that he's gone. And uh, we will talk about more of that and what that means in the future. Um, because, you know, we're kind of like going back and forth, uh, in the sound podcast, but wanted to say that up front, we will open with some, with some talk about the final four, but before we do that painter, anything you would like to say from your perspective and your spot, uh, about, you know, Auburn having Walker Kessler for one phenomenal season. Jealous of all the young bucks that are growing up with the successful Auburn team that got to watch a front court like this. As a kid, I always wanted Auburn basketball to be successful, of course, Painter, like any fan of any team is going to want that. However, one thing Auburn didn't have a lot of, even if they had good players, they usually didn't have good big men. And Auburn had plenty of good big men uh, with the front court they've got. And look, you know, Bruce is talking about Jalen being a centerpiece to the offense or to the team next year. I'm not sure I buy him as like they're running the offense through Jalen, but I think he's certainly an answer to some uh, some problems they're going to cause for other folks. Like Auburn is in a fine place. Bruce is going to clean up in the portal. Uh, it would have been awesome to have Walker back. However, I get it. Like you're one year closer to your next contract. If things work out for you, he owes us nothing. In this case, uh, wish him, as Gus would say, nothing but the best. All right, we will uh, we will roll the regularly scheduled podcast right here. Uh, we open with some talk about the Final Four game uh, between North Carolina and Duke and a little bit about uh, uh, Kansas. There's Kessler. There's more stuff about Auburn basketball as we go on. Um, you know, podcasting is great. It's not a live product, but, you know, we record it <laughs> like it is. Uh, so enjoy. Yeah, it's not very often when, like, a thing that receives so much hype and so much buildup and so much anticipation lives up to all that. And like, I don't think there could have possibly been any more build up for North Carolina Duke on Saturday night than, than there was like, maybe if it was for the national championship, like I think that's literally the only thing that could have done it. It was just one game behind and it delivered, man. Like that was one of the best basketball games I've ever seen in my life. And it was nuts on TV. Um, the I can whole only imagine what it was like. The like arena. Oh my God. Yeah. The arena must've been, just it's like ready to explode on every single possession every possession there. that that yeah. is when you know basketball is at its best is when mm-hmm. every possession when you miss a shot it is 
painful. And when you make a shot, it doesn't even feel good. It's simply a relief because you realize you're not <laughs> one step closer to losing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, wow. I mean, what a, what a game. Uh, I mean, the first game, Kansas, like, Kansas, man. Dang, you know, they look good. Whew. Woo. And there I mean, kept being moments where I'd be like, okay, Villanova's got a little run in them. And I kept telling yeah, myself, because yeah. I had a little money on Villanova, so I was doing some gymnastics. Because, I mean, that was a pretty dominant effort consistently for 40 minutes by Kansas. But I kept going, if Villanova can get this down to six, seven, eight points around the four or five minute mark, sometimes college players freak out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like Villanova was a good example of like what we said about Auburn this season, where it's like you don't need everybody to be superstar status to be an elite team. You just need like a couple players really, really playing well, and like their two best players were on fire uh, in that game, and, and so you know that definitely is what carried them. When they get to another level, man, it's 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 better than anybody else has played in this tournament. But that North Carolina Duke game, I mean, Caleb Love. The, the shot he hit Ooh. to be, and Mark Williams almost got it too. Like it, it, it is, it is a gutsy shot in that situation, but he let that thing fly and it, and, and it went, I mean, just pure, pure. What a, what a shot. What a moment. Um, <laughs> we talked about it. I know like the, it's been over a month ago, I guess at this point, but, or a month ago, um, how funny it was for Duke to lose their last game, uh, Kay's last game in Cameron Indoor. If you had proposed this to me as a scenario, I would have simply oh, laughed man. at you. Because <laughs> my, my thought going into the tournament, my thought going into the tournament was when they got drawn up with Baylor, uh, Carolina did, in that eight, if they came out of that 8-9 game, I said, and I'm pretty sure I tweeted it as well, it's like, hey, look, if Carolina's guards hit shots, they can beat anybody. Um, you know, they... First year coach, I mean, for Hubert Davis, like you're following up a legend in in Roy Williams. Um, But people forget maybe a little bit that this Carolina, like pretty much everybody in that rotation for Carolina is a top 70 player, top 70 recruit. Love and Mondo uh, Baycott are both five-star guys. And so, like, if they just get going, like, man, it's – they're as talented as anybody else uh, in the field. And – Yet this Duke, I mean, just the the amount of attention and the amount of focus on Kay's final run, um, you know, it just got to this point where it's like, it, could they really be playing Carolina again? You know, you got the last laugh, to, it looked like Carolina, and then it's just you one-upped it, right? This is, for an Auburn equivalent, like this would be like, if Nick Saban said, hey, I'm going out, this is my last run, it's my last season, which I don't think he's going to do, by the way. I think when Saban's done, he's just going to like, it's just going to be an announcement that's going to be over. It's just, that doesn't, the, the retirement tour doesn't feel like something he would do, personally. Um, I, it would be like, all right, Saban's last year, Auburn wins the Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa with a huge second half, quietens everybody, you know, pulls off the upset. And then, Auburn and Alabama somehow meet in the playoff and Auburn does it again on the way out the door. And it's like, that would be, I mean, th- this state would burn to the ground. Like, I, I, I don't know if there would be a city to come back to uh, for Auburn. Like, it would just be, it would just be chaos. And yet that's 
what happened here with North Carolina Duke. And it's so funny. It's so funny to me because I was talking to Justin Lee on Saturday, and he was like, I think the lesson we should all take from this is never announce that you're going to retire, especially if, like, you know, it don't have the farewell to her. Well, if it you're a public figure, well. it's way different than you're working at the health department. Well, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but as a general yeah. rule, yeah, maybe not. I mean, just generally, maybe not. Don't do that. Because, yeah. like, unless you go out on top, you set yourself up for it. Now, I don't think anybody's ever going to have the thing of, like, oh, yeah, my team, my my, my, my team's biggest rival is, is going to get beaten. He's going to beat us twice on these huge stages. Well, it is very One. funny that they had a good season, and basically their, lo- their last three losses are your biggest rival, a team that you don't really think about in Virginia Tech, and your biggest rival again. Yeah, they they this was this was this was insane to watch, and it was just really good basketball. And like that Duke team was crazy talented. Like I I said it at one point during the game, like Mark Williams might be my favorite Duke player since Jabari Parker. Just I love watching him play, and man, those two free throws, whoo, that's gonna that's gonna stick. It's going to stick for a while, probably in his head, but he's about to make a lot of money playing playing uh, basketball. Hopefully eases some of the pain. That should ease some of it. Um, but this Carolina team, man, they, they, they look really good. And it's, I, I wonder how you, like, how you come out from this, like the emotions of it. But, again, I guess this, this goes back to what we've been saying all the time about Auburn and about their accomplishments they had in the regular season like how tough it is to win the SEC title that regular season. I don't think anybody would have taken Carolina's regular season over Auburn's season. It's just Carolina got hot at the absolute right time. Auburn played one of their worst games of the season, probably their worst game of the season at the wrong time. And so it's just that's what makes the tournament just kind of this detached. It, it, it's it's so high up because of the prestige and the attention and the fact that it, it is for the title, but it feels kind of detached from – you know what you actually what you actually put together, right? I think of Arkansas, Arkansas going, um, you know, m- making the run that they did. Um, yeah, Auburn, Auburn lost to Arkansas. They did have the head head, so there's something with that. But like, would you rather have this run that falls short of the Final Four or a, or a banner or an SEC title? And it's like, I think I would rather have an SEC title. I know this is a little different because Arkansas did get that head-to-head win, but like, it just shows that you, you prepare yourself and you do all this stuff, and 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 people think like <clears throat> the be-all end-all is is what happens in the NCAA tournament, and it's huge, and it's 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 what people remember you by for sure. But like, I think watching a team like Carolina make this run with the regular season they just went through, I think it, you know, for a lot of Auburn fans, I think you could look back to what Auburn did in this regular season and say, okay, you know, it, it wasn't our night. It wasn't our weekend. It wasn't the end of the season that, that anybody would have wanted. It was, it was disappointing, I think for, for a lot of fans for sure. But um, it shouldn't take that away because there's some really good teams. There's some really, really good teams that didn't make the final four that aren't going to be playing for a national championship on Monday night. And like, of course the example is like Kansas, like, Kansas got whooped by Kentucky at home, and they're playing for a national title. So it's like, you know, and will probably be the favorite. I haven't seen odds yet. They may be out. They may so. not. But I would think I would Kansas think so. would be favored by a couple of points. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I 
it's pretty it's pretty crazy um i i I just think though it's like you build to get in that spot and like one of the reasons carolina is in that spot is because they recruit really really well like st peter's amazing story um there were a lot of they will not be back in the elite eight next year (laughs) carolina might not be either but there is a reasonable chance as much as any other program that Carolina could be back in the same way that I think the overlap between Auburn and Arkansas this year and what it is you want out of your program is particularly interesting because not only as you mentioned did they have the head-to-head and another Elite Eight appearance it's another Elite Eight appearance it's not just one they've now had two postseason runs and you know once you start getting past the Sweet 16 like it does become banner worthy I mean people remember those kinds of seasons but at the end of the day they also didn't win a championship I think I think all that to say is that Carolina Kansas should be a whole lot of fun on Monday night, but I think it also just you know, underscores just what this season was in college basketball, and that it's who's hot at the right time is the one that gets to the tournament. That shouldn't take away from your regular season accomplishments, but also it underscores like a team like North Carolina. Yeah, they were an eight seed. I think they were underseeded. I mean, they they had single digit losses in the regular season. Um, but that's a team built on elite recruiting classes. That's a team built like they're not Kentucky and they're not Duke in terms of their star power. But man, they're close. Like they're you can lose Walker Kessler and then go to the Final Four. And speaking of Walker Kessler, why don't we do a little intro here? And uh, when we when we get back, let's let's get it going with talking about Mr. Kessler. How's that sound? It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Painter Sharpless in Parts Unknown. Painter, I hope it stops snowing in Parts Unknown. One of the most beautiful days we've had in a few weeks. There was a period Ooh. mid-March where it was gorgeous, and then it got chilly again for a while. We are absolutely loving the vibes out in the weather today. Big weather guy today. Yeah, uh, Painter, Painter is pivoting to being a weather guy. Um, so just keep that in mind moving forward. Uh, we've got a... Decent amount to talk about. Okay, so inside baseball a little bit. Um, <laughs> we uh, we appreciate everyone who enjoys the podcast and everybody who listens um, because you know it's it keeps us you know employed, keeps us allows us to kind of do this for a living. Um, but uh, we are not the most organized thing in the world. Uh, there have been a lot of times where you just hit record and it starts going. I think sometimes that's good. I think sometimes there's like a nice flow and kind of a something organic out of it and i hope people can pick up on it especially when we're in the meat of things like during basketball right. it's not hard to be like these are the things we're going to talk about 30 minutes after a game has ended right a little different in the off season a little different when the games are done um but painter and i actually did some prep for this episode which you know please please clap we need we need the jeb bush uh, line right there for that <laughs> But yeah, we've got, you know, I I was like, man, I'm not sure what all we want to talk about today. And uh, we put our heads together. We've got quite a number of topics for both uh, men's basketball and football uh, that we would like to discuss. Um, And we're going to start with Walker Kessler uh, Sunday, recording this on Sunday afternoon. You'll be hearing it on Monday um, at the earliest. Uh, Walker Kessler winning the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, given to the best defender in college basketball. It is not the only one. Uh, that he has won this offseason. Um, 
He won SEC Defense Player of the Year, of course. He won the Defense Player of the Year Award from the National uh, Association of Basketball Coaches. So this one is the Naismith Trophy. It's connected to the big Naismith Award given by, I believe it's the Atlanta Tip-Off Club. Um, but it's the one they give out at the Final Four. It's the, you know, the, big, the big headliner. Kessler won in Defensive Player of the Year on, on Sunday uh, in New Orleans. Big win for him and, and, and well-deserved. I think everybody could see um, this season was pretty remarkable uh, for Kessler. Um, the blocks, obviously, but just the, the impact he had on the defensive, uh, defensive end of the floor. He was third nationally in defensive rating, which means when he's on the floor um, per 100 possessions, how many points has his team given up? third best in the country uh and auburn's i mean he was the cornerstone of an elite auburn defense uh you can gamble we talked we talked about it all season long you can gamble you can press you can do more things with your backcourt in defense when you have a seven foot one guy that has incredible instincts and incredible leaping ability incredible second leap uh, second jump um for a guy his size uh was the most dominant rim protector we've seen in college basketball in a long time uh his Block percentage uh, was the best uh, since Larry Sanders at VCU um, almost 15 years ago to this point. Um, I think it's the best it's the best season, I think, by a major, co- a major conference college basketball player in, in blocks since they started tracking block percentage. Uh, this, was, this was a remarkable season, obviously, for, for Walker Kessler and um, anybody who's handing out Defensive Player of the Year awards. I know – I think even the guy at the Naismith um, presentation on um, Sunday uh, watched a video that 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 uh, Bennett Durando tweeted because he's down there winning his own award. Congratulations once again to Bennett, our our beautiful rising star. So he here gets on the to beat. win an award in that town. Yes, that's isn't nice. That, great? that yeah, is convenient. That um, Easy little drive too. You know, commit about a half he, day, but you can get you can boogie on over to New Orleans. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, he. Um, uh, the 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 guy who was announcing the award, presenting the award, said it was probably the most competitive field they can remember, uh, and the award's only been around for a few years. This one in particular, but like, yeah, this was tough. Like, you know, there were a crazy amount of really good defenders in college basketball this season, and for Walker to get this honor above the pack, um, I think says a lot. I think it says a lot about him, and um, you know, I, we don't know if if Kessler is going to. Stay at Auburn or yeah, go to the you, NBA? Yeah, you triggered a few Auburn fans on accident. Because like you said, I don't know. There's Whoops. not a great way to Whoops. say what is yeah. the player when we think they're going pro. We certainly don't know. It seems like there's some openness to coming back. Uh, I wanted to point out that last year's Defensive Player of the Year was Davion Mitchell, who, of course, started his career at Auburn, was an excellent defender at Auburn in his one season, behind Jared Harper, decides to go to Baylor, ends up being a great decision for him. I wanted to point out, like, hey, like, you know. The, One way or another, two, those guys played for Auburn. Yeah, and I said former Tigers in, in the case of Kessler. Look, I don't I don't know anything. I, As far as I know, and, and Kessler even said it himself, there's a lot of options to weigh out. We talked about it on the premium podcast recently. It's like, this is a really good center class in college basketball. I think Kessler could – there's some things that he could, like, get better at on the offensive side, maybe stretch, maybe maybe look like he's a little bit better of a, of a jump shooter than what he put out on the court this year. And then, you know, I think between that and NIL and just, you know, the, the, the roster Auburn could have next season, there'd be a lot of good reasons for him to come back. But Auburn has been a program where when guys have NBA stock, they they go usually. Um, so it's going to come down to him and what, 
you know, he and his family decide it's going to come down to what the NBA thinks of him. And this is going to be a long process because I think, think guys can't, guys can pull out of the draft like at the end of May. Like this is a, I mean, we're a long way off from anything official. Which I that's think. what I'm most curious about is obviously would love to have Walker back for another year selfishly. I get it. Oh, for oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like if you're getting him back and you can actually well, make the argument, you know, that uh, maybe, like you said, because the draft class isn't as deep and, and NIL could paper some things over for you, that there's more of a lane for him to come back than there might have yep. been just a few years ago. On the other yep. hand, if you're confident and you're betting on yourself, you might go, well, if I leave now, I might not be a lottery pick, but I'm getting my next contract one year sooner. And a lot of these mm-hmm. guys probably do feel willing to bet on themselves. They've usually, you know, I mean, you just won defensive player of the year. Yeah, if I'm 7-1, I feel pretty confident in myself as a basketball player, period. Um, I I think, yeah, with, with Kessler, it's – I think there's a number of um, a number of things that could go for or against the case to stay at Auburn or go, like I I I don't know I'm not going to pretend to know um, you know what's what's what he's leaning or um, you know one way or another that's that that's you know that's not my lane um, but I do know that um, he hasn't made a decision yet and you know it'll it'll be interesting to see what Auburn does because I think he's the big nominal here. Um, yeah, and I got lost in my little rant there, but I do wonder how it impacts what Pearl and his staff do in the portal and with recruiting because they are so good in, in this area, and like I, you know, they're gonna want to wait because if there's a chance they can get him back, you you want him back. On the other hand, like they probably would like some closure as soon as possible about what they should do with their roster management. Yeah, and and we talked on the premium podcast over the weekend or last Friday about Yoan Traore um, and just the the versatility he brings to the table. I think he, he, he can be a four next to a five. I think he can be five next to a four. Like, I, I think, you know, he's just a really good, especially on offense, basketball player who is big and skilled. And, like, it, that fits. So, I don't I don't think Auburn getting Yoan is necessarily a sense of, like, okay, well, Kessler's definitely not coming back. But, um, you know, I think Auburn is prepping. I think Auburn's right. When you go after guys like Julian Phillips, um, there are other ones in in, in the thing. Uh, Sunday there was uh, some our, our, our buddy Drew uh, on Twitter uh, at Orange and Drew was was pushing Leonard Miller, um, who is this like JT Thor looking, uh, you know, uh, in, in incredibly long, athletic, uh, small forward, maybe power forward at the at, the, at this level, Canadian player who is not widely regarded as a prospect, but I believe on three has him as a five-star. He's just this like late, like boom kind of bloomer onto, onto the international scene. And, you know, a guy that people think could play collegiately next year. There's a, like Auburn is keeping themselves in with, with a lot. Um, doesn't look like, I think it's Gigi Jackson is that, that one's not going to happen, uh, from what I saw, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, as we're recording this, uh, Eric Stevenson, the South Carolina transfer, picked West Virginia. There was some buzz That's with Auburn. That's such early. a good fit. That's such, such a good fit. fit. I'm so honestly, he annoyed me when we played them. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I mean, get to play for Bob Huggins. That'll be that'll be great. And those you know, fans, some, oh, it's going to be great. He's going to be. They're going to love him. The bu- the bu- There was some buzz with Auburn early, but it never really seemed to like pick up after that. So, you know, Auburn's got other guys that they're going after. Uh, in the portal, um, 
early on, but I, I think there's a lot that, like, if Kessler comes back, a lot kind of – like, we saw this last year, too, when Jabari Smith committed to play for Auburn inside. When Kessler went into the portal, one of their biggest pitches was like, hey, come play with Jabari Smith. I don't think anybody's going to be playing with Jabari Smith at Auburn next season, but Kessler could be that guy if he decides to come back for yeah, us. Yeah, he becomes yeah. the guy you're pitching as, hey, come play next to this guy. But even if not, even if even if he goes sure. to the league – you have Yon Traore to pitch. You have Katie Johnson. You have, you know, Wendell Green Jr. You have uh, potentially a healthy Alan Flanagan. Like, there's a lot to like about this roster. It's just there's a lot of movement that can be happening here over the next few weeks and months, as as we know. Um, meanwhile, we talked about LSU. Uh, <laughs> they don't have anybody. So much. It's very funny, and like I'm not that worried about it because they seem to be able to draw in athletes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what their punishment actually is. That'll affect their timeline. I like the hire. You know, it's kind of we've, as some other people have done probably in recent years, started to just openly go. We don't know how any hire is going to go, but there's at least some reason to think that this one could work out for LSU as soon as they get all this behind them. But they are literally starting from scratch. They are starting completely from scratch. Uh, they have lost everybody. Like, literally everybody who was on their team last year as a scholarship player is no longer there. Now, that is not to be something... It's not surprising because um, there could be sanctions coming, and once the class started falling apart and guys started bouncing elsewhere, it was like, right, why do you really want to stay around? Like, nothing against Matt McMahon. thought he was a fantastic hire. He might be my favorite hire of... All of the um, the current the cycle, yeah. This SEC, this SEC, these SEC moves, but like he's gonna have a long way to go. Um, I think it's gonna be yeah, anytime you're doing any sort of rebuild without sanctions, you expect there to be, mm-hmm. and and like they were in a good place until all this happened. So it's it's an yeah. interesting dynamic. Yeah. Like the team was and winning; it had NBA, NBA caliber players. Right. What is the NCA gonna do with them? Yeah, with them. Like like. How much did firing Will Wade ease the wrath that's about to come? Like, I don't know. And, and, and again, we, we say it all the time. There's no reason to ever, like, try to figure out what the NCAA is thinking at any, at any yeah, moment. Yeah, I tend to think that given what the NCAA's history has been with Auburn, that they were not going to be light on Bruce. And the scholarship reduction really didn't seem to be all that heavy based on what the national perception, right, wrong, or indifferent, should have been whatever that punishment should have been that was sort of created i think almost online by the way by like mm-hmm. six writers <laughs> uh and you know like with lsu i'd like to think that they're not going to get hit with some sort of ridiculous penalty for four years i, I you're, you're you're rebuilding you're completely going from scratch this is a new staff and a new roster punishing that even more like what does I that do yeah these yeah. kids that were in junior high school or in high school and all this happened and then like you say, like it's not even Will Wade now, right? Like, what what are you gonna do? Like, what is is anything that you're gonna say or do at this point gonna fix what happened? You're gonna actively no. sabotage one of the better teams and one of the biggest leagues that serves basically as a profiting machine for the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Like, it is funny yeah. to think about cutting off SMU the way they did, given that SMU was so exciting. <laughs> back when all that stuff happened it's like oh so you're just going to actively make this interesting program not interesting for a couple of decades very good business model and they and they basically said after that happened like right they're never doing that again maybe we overreacted i think there's only been a handful of teams ever to get the but let's see 
because one of them's one of them's crazy. Like one of them, I I thought was was really really wild. Um, let's see, death penalty, uh, division one. There's only ever been there's only ever been three, ever. Um, uh, University of Kentucky basketball, uh, 1952. There was a point shaving um, incident. Uh, involving the City College of New York, but then spread to others. Uh, the University of Southwestern Louisiana basketball. Uh, this is from Wikipedia, so I don't know how you know, legit it's this perfect. is. It's perfect. Here we go. Uh, let's read this. Um, this is basketball, Southwestern Louisiana. Southwestern Louisiana was found guilty of more than 125 violations in August 1973. Respect. Most of them, most of them involve small cash payments to players, letting players borrow coaches and boosters' cars, letting players use university credit cards to buy gas, clothes, and other items. However, the most severe uh, violations involve massive academic fraud. In the most egregious case, an assistant coach altered or recruits high school transcript and forged the principal's signature. Okay, you can't uh, so, do that. I would say I don't care that much about them being able to like go out on a Friday night and have fun with their friends. Uh, but yeah, I guess you can't do the last thing. Several boosters arranged for surrogates to take college entrance exams for recruits. The NCAA responded. This is uh, this is what is now known as the Lu- University of Louisiana Lafayette, or as they want to be called now, Louisiana. Uh, they scrubbed the Cajuns' 1972 and 1973 appearances from the record books and canceled the next two seasons. To date, this is the only multi-season cancellation ever handed down to a Division One member. Uh, the NCAA council found the violations to be so egregious, it recommended having uh, southwestern Louisiana thrown out of the NCAA altogether. Instead, they opted to strip them of their voting privileges uh, for five years. And then the SMU scandal in 1987. Uh, they I don't do, do that anymore. I do find it interesting, and I, I don't know the history of these programs and their unfortunate demise, uh, but that SMU in a way could have probably been viewed as a threat to some schools in that state and the harshness with which they were served. And to some extent, maybe the same could be said of another program in a state that was used to being the only program. Uh, I don't have, again, a ton of history about like the, the behind the scenes movements of LSU and and Texas and Texas A&M. But I, I find it interesting that some of the harshest and, uh, most damaging penalties ever were received by these, if you want to, you could say smaller schools that yeah. were finding some sort of foothold of success. Uh, since imposing the death penalty against SMU, the NCAA reportedly considered imposing the sanction at least five times under Division One school. Kansas basketball in 1988, Kentucky basketball in 1989, Alabama football in 2002, Penn State football in 2012, and the entire Texas Southern Athletic Department in 2012. Um, and then there's two more. There were two. De- there were two death penalties that uh, were handed down to uh, non D1 schools: uh, Morehouse College Soccer in '03 and McMurray College Tennis in t- 2004. Both of them were about uh, paying people from overseas to play uh, for their sports teams, and uh, <laughs> they were not eligible because uh, they probably played professionally at some point in time. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, they, they threatened to do it against like heavy hitters. Kansas basketball, Alabama football, Penn State football, uh, and Kentucky basketball. I mean, those are about as big as you can get. Obviously, the Penn State situation, a lot different than the other ones. You know, just everyone knows that. Um, 
but they at least kind of held it over. And I think they saw what happened with SMU, and it's just like, I don't think you can do that again with anybody. Like, you just, that just, I mean, it, it is the death penalty for a reason. Like, that's why it's called what it is. Like, it just kills off any hope. And I, there's too much money at stake, and there's too much involved where I don't think you're going to, like, you're going to have to do something pretty blatant. And so for LSU, with Will Wade, it was like, yeah, what he, what, you know, they caught him doing was very blatant and very obvious that, um, I mean, they, they've got phone call. They, you know, they got tapes. Like, Kansas is in some hot water right now with their basketball program. Like, they could win a national ta- title on Monday night, and then, like, there might be some NCAA stuff coming down about them. One way or another, Bill Self's still going to be that coach. <laughs> I don't think he's too worried. He may have to deal with a thing that you might view as a headache or a nuisance in terms of a PR hit or even, I don't know how this will shake out, but even a scholarship reduction. But that man is... The NCAA is looking at him going into this weekend, and they're like, "Yeah, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna rock the boat too much," which kind of sucks when like assistants and lower mm-hmm. levels take falls for them. I'm not saying that they're not necessarily guilty of whatever they're being accused of, but it's like, well, what are we talking about here? I mean, I think the moral of the story here is I think Auburn basketball is glad they're um, past their storm with the NCAA and the are in the point right now where they could be taking advantage of some, some problems elsewhere. And this class, um, you know, a, a class that had, you know, a really good player in Chance Westry and then and also in Trey Donaldson, adding Yohan Traore um, may not be done yet there. And then the portal, it's just uh, – this is what it's what it takes. You have to recruit at a high level. So we went back to North Carolina. Duke's got a team that's got multiple first-rounders on, on it. This North Carolina team is – I would say one of the 10, 12 most talented rosters in the country this year. Like you got to, you got to play the game. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything like illegal or anything like that. It was like, you've got to recruit at a very, very high level to get to this spot. If you're in this spot, you can catch fire and you can look awesome real quickly. Um, like a Miami was this year, like a St. Peter's obviously is a very extreme smaller school example. Um, that can happen. But if you want stay in power and you want to raise banners and you want to be something consistent, you got to be doing, you know, the you got to be doing the things in recruiting to make sure that you have top of the line talent. And it looks like Auburn has got the first big, you know, uh, piece of that coming in. And we'll see with we'll see what happens with Walker Kessler because if Kessler comes back, I mean, you're talking about Auburn's front court next season still being two former five stars and two two of the most talented players that have ever stepped foot on that campus. I feel really good about Wendell Green taking a step forward, which is saying something yeah. given the season he just had. Like, he was far from perfect, and you could say that there were matchups there and were, even moments where he was a liability, but I know that people argue about— There were stretches about, where he was really good. Yeah, people argue about the, you know, how far you should look into to plus-minus, but if that's a stat you care about, that man was cleaning up in that category. 100%. He made the team better. He made the team better. And, and Allen, uh, I mean, geez, God, I expected so much out of him. I hope maybe with a full off season he comes back. Because there back. were stretches in that sophomore year where things were kind of bleak for Auburn, and he was a spot you could point to and go, when it really rolls and the yeah, team is all better. all SEC-type player. Ooh, yep. Yeah, absolutely. So if he gets back healthy again, you, you look at a, at a completely different kind of roster next year for Auburn, and, and one that I think would be, you know, I, I, don't, you know, I don't think they're going to be quote-unquote better. Uh, than they were this past season uh, just because I think they're just going to be different. It's hard to kind of compare that. But, like, 
they're going to be in that mix again, which is, which is exactly where you want to be. I do wonder. It's too early to really tell Ferg, so I'm just totally projecting. But they may, not have, do. they may not have the same level of top-end talent. In fact, they won't. Like, let's just say it, because Jabari Smith could be the number one pick, almost certainly will be a top-two yeah. pick. You won't have that same level of upper echelon talent. However, the roster could be a little bit more balanced, and in some of that balance maybe is extra experience based on what Auburn does with the portal. I don't again completely know that this is going to be a true statement but i i'm curious about how that experience and maybe overall roster balance shakes out for them because the portal have been something i keep hearkening on this but it's like bruce and eric musselman like they go out and get guys that fit right away in the portal and Mus this year is deciding to recruit like high yeah, school guys said earlier yeah he, they're so that is i don't know they're gonna be he, really good oh my god they're gonna be awesome yeah. they're gonna be awesome Kentucky's always going to be awesome. Tennessee's going to be awesome. Alabama recruits awesome. well. I think there's Alabama. some. You know, everybody yeah. was praising they, Oates. they got to figure out how to play defense. Yeah. Right. Like, can they do what they did consistently the year with John Petty and Herb Jones? And I, I kind of was a uh, – not kind of. I was like a Herb Jones detractor for a while. And then the year oh, yeah. he had in the NBA was like, Ooh. oh, maybe he yeah. was more important and a better player than I gave him credit well, for. Well, and I think – and I think – you know, people who've listened to us for a while know how how everybody knows how I feel about John Petty. Like perfect, perfect college basketball gunner. Um, and I know some yeah, people listening to me might be like, "Well, dude, Herb Jones is like SEC Player of the Year." But it's like I just yeah. I thought he was like one of the best players in the league last year. I didn't think he necessarily he he is for a guy who played a lot of years in college. Like he is he you know he has gone to the next level and has, mm-hmm. and has held his own, which is which is always pretty good sign. I'm, I'm interested to see. Like, look, you know. Uh, we haven't talked about him in a while, but like Sharif Cooper is like putting up stupid numbers. Yeah, I don't even know what to make of that. Cause I know in the G league guys put up points, but oh, yeah. it's just like last year he did struggle to like hit open shots at times. And that yeah. does not seem to be a problem for him now. Yeah. And like, I think long-term he is the guy, the number two behind Sharif Cooper. I mean, behind Trey, behind Trey young, Sharif Cooper is the number two behind Trey young in Atlanta. But it's like, are they right now? I think they're wanting to kind of give him, as much run, welcome to the league. You know, here's professional basketball. And then next, like he, the problem is, is that if you're the if you're playing behind Trey Young, you're you're might you might only get ten to twelve minutes a night, maybe a little more in certain games. Um, but like it's it's clear he is he's the best point guard they have in that organization, other than Trey. And Trey is you know all star caliber player. So that that's going to be fun to watch. And, and I hope, I hope he gets, I hope he gets kind of that step up in that run uh, this year. Uh, speaking of that, Jared Harper uh, getting a full contract with the, uh, with the um, two way deal or with, uh, with the Pelicans. He's with the, he's with the big league team now after playing really well in, in Birmingham. Um, Bryce Brown uh, is having a really good season uh, with the long Island nets. And I think they're doing really well in the G league um, the season standings wise. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, I think we all think Jabari is going to be really good in the league. Um, if Walker goes, I think that, I think he's going to be one, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch and just seeing these guys kind of show that, no, yeah, they belong. Cause I think with Alabama and Auburn and some of these, like if you're not from Kentucky and you're in the sec, I think there's a lot of, unless you're a Jabari Smith or a, um, Anthony Edwards, if you're like one of these top five pick type of players, there's like questions that are like, oh, were you just like this? Did you just get hot and this kind of like this on one of these new money teams? Um, 
I think Cam Thomas is doing really well right now at uh, LSU. Like, it, it's really cool kind of seeing seeing that because I think the the future of the NBA and the future of, of you know high level professional basketball is going to have more of a, a Southern flavor to it. I think it's going to have more of an SEC kind of lean, and I think Auburn's been involved with that. And of course, you you got all these other schools that are that are doing it as well. Um, but like a guy like going back to what we were talking about, like a guy like Herb Jones, a guy like like Sharif in the G League. Like it's it's good to see that these guys are going out there and proving it against professionals, uh, you know, rather quickly. Um, and I think that just speaks to like it was cool to hate on the SEC this year in the NCAA tournament because of what happened. And like, yeah, it wasn't good, right? But like, I'm still gonna take the regular season accomplishments and how tough the league was in the regular season over a handful of games in, in the tournament. And this is one of the most talented and one of the most uh, definitely the most athletic uh, league in college basketball. So. Um, I think that's it's getting more NBA ready. By the way, by the way, by the way, before we before we move on, I want to make one quick note. So we had the bracket challenge uh, for people who are subscribed. Uh, you could sign up. There was a code in the newsletters to sign up. Um, and the grand prize is whoever wins. I said, hey, you'll get a year uh, of your subscription for absolutely free. So I'm in second place heading into <laughs> heading into the championship game. Um, but I'm done. There's one bit of drama left. There's only one piece of drama left to it, and it's kind of funny. Um, our, our, our buddy Johnny, who is a uh, who is a subscriber and has, has been a, a longtime friend of the of the program, he's currently in first right now. Um, but he's done. He picked Baylor to win the national title. Obviously, they did not do that. Um, as funny as it is, the other person who can win depending on what happens in the national title game on, on Monday night is Justin Lee, <laughs> uh, who has Kansas winning it all. Uh, he could jump up to number one. If Carolina wins, Johnny wins. And, uh, I come, it looks like I'm going to come in second or third, which I thought uh, just a dreadful bracket, but I got half of the final four, right. And I got one of the national championship teams, right. So I guess, I guess that had a lot of, lot to do with it. Um, but appreciate everybody who, was a part of that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who ends up winning uh, on, on Monday night. All right. Um, like I said, you could have joined the bracket contest if you were a subscriber to The Observer, auburnobserver.com, $60 a month, $60 a year. If you like this podcast, you get more of it. Uh, you get twice as much of it uh, if you subscribe. Um, and we do a premium podcast once a week. We're doing those more on Fridays now, uh, as these free ones will be on Mondays, but we might have some bonus ones and some fun stuff coming up. And you get all the newsletters covering football and men's basketball, a lot of deep dives, mailbags, uh, breakdowns, analysis, practice reports. Um, just a, and, and I think in the summer, in the off season, I'm going to try to expand my range a little bit and do, do some more creative, some, some more kind of fun stuff uh, to get us through the summer. Um, just because, you know, I, I think there's only so much you can write about a team in an off season. And uh, this is time to, you know, get a little creative, get a, get, get a little fun with that. Maybe about teams and players and moments and stuff like that that weren't necessarily about what's going on right now with, with both of those programs. So I want to do some, some football with that. want to do some basketball with that. So we'll keep, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep all that in mind. And, and some of you have sent in like suggestions like, Hey, um, here's what you guys can talk about during the off season. Here's what you can do. And we will continue to accept those suggestions and maybe implement a few of them moving forward. Um, but yes, that is a way to help us out. If you like the show uh, and you want more of it, $6 a month, $60 a year, 
at the observer and get the get the newsletters as well there's another way you can help out that is absolutely free painter let them know how they can do it apple Podcasts, rate review subscribe folks takes like 20 seconds you can hit us with five stars on spotify if that's your thing that helps us out uh as well and, and we have five stars both on uh apple podcast and uh spotify which we really really appreciate it helps more people see the show which gets more people in the door which gets more people with the newsletter it helps us out in a, in a big big way apple Podcasts, since they invented the whole thing they're kind of the ones in control of this this <laughs> this monster so you uh, uh if you give us five stars and you write a written review it does help us out a ton um we can't thank you enough we've got a new one to read this week from tay landers tay says uh, it's my favorite source for AU football and basketball news. Perfect for commuting to and from work. Great banner between Painter and Ferg, and the vibes are always solid. Definitely definitely worth the $6 a month, especially to keep Painter in his grocery store hats. Um, thank you for the review. Uh, very, very kind. Uh, and I think that's one of my favorite reviews we've had, Painter, because of the line, the vibes are always solid. I think that's what we try to bring to the table more than anything else. This is a vibes podcast. This is a vibes newsletter. And I appreciate being able to go in and out of grocery stores with confidence. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what's the what was the last what was the last big grocery store purchase you made or something that you were just excited about? I had some uh, champagne purchase this morning along with some sausage, uh, so that I had a nice breakfast. Champagne I got some and sausage, yes, the, lactose, the, <laughs> the classic thing that all the cool kids are doing. And yeah, I uh, also got uh, some a t- traditional English breakfast, two <laughs> percent lactose free milk for my very weak stomach. Attaboy. You gotta gotta protect that, and so you know that stuff costs money, and so uh, yeah, help us out, help us out uh, by giving us a review. No, we we really appreciate all of it. Every every tweet, every review, every subscription, every comment, you guys, it, it does mean a lot to us and uh, keeps us going. So we we appreciate you guys so so much because this thing is one hundred percent backed by y'all. I just said that, and I'm about to actually do an ad ad read, so I feel kind of hypocritical there, but. Uh, I need to tell you about our good friends at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel is the number one place to buy premium collegiate apparel with vintage logos and designs. You're not going to beat the designs. You're not going to beat the comfort. You're not going to beat uh, uh, the fashion that you get from Homefield Apparel. Uh, Josh Vitale, our buddy, our dearly departed from the beat, Josh Vitale, uh, just went on an absolute run recently with home field shirts. He was, I was talking to him the other day. He was like, my wardrobe is pretty much hundred percent home field. Now I was like, that's, that's how you do it. That's, that's the smart play here. Mystery boxes came out not too long ago. Those of you who jumped on it during the NCAA tournament, uh, I finally got mine in three killer shirts. I have a Boise state shirt where it has their dog that runs their kicking tee, uh, off the field after kickoffs. Wonderful. I'm currently wearing one. It's a pit shirt, uh, that has like some big, you know, like castle looking thing on, on their campus. Um, and, uh, also got a, uh, new nine win Indiana shirt, uh, which I really needed because my old one, um, uh, you know, got, got a pretty bad stain on it that I never could get out. So good looking out for the good brand. A lot of Auburn stuff on the site as well that you can check out. Um, it's, it's, it's warming up a little bit. You may want to, you know, pick up some more t-shirts. It's that time of year. Uh, and uh, let's see, right now at home field, it's still got the hoodie. If you're in, you know, if you're if you're more in Painter's neck of the woods, and it's still a little cool, the peacock hoodie, uh, the peacock T-shirt. There's uh, several Auburn basketball designs. There's a really cool Auburn baseball design 
on there in a nice orange. Uh, and they're, that orange shirt, by the way, particularly a really soft one and a really good one. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, but a lot of really cool designs at home field for Auburn fans and any team that you may like uh, or just think their stuff's really, really cool looking. Uh, homefieldapparel.com has got you covered. You can get 15% off uh, if you use the promo code OBSERVER when checking out if it is your first ever order at Homefield. So homefieldapparel.com. Shout out to Connor and the gang for supporting us and uh, making the most comfortable stuff you can buy anywhere. So we got all that. Is there any more any more podcast business we have to take care of, Painter? My toes look funny today. I think I need to drink more water. But in terms of business, no. I think we've done Is that it. a thing? Uh, I don't know if that really is a thing. It feels like your hands can get bloated if you have like too much salt. I don't know. You I like am, salt. I'm, oh You're a salt guy. Yeah, I'm not. I will eat sweets, but I prefer mm-hmm. salt. You know, because some people have the the terrible, the dreaded sweet tooth. That's not me. I'm pretty good at resisting sweets unless it's like a good pie. I love pie yeah. for dessert. Big big pie guy, dude. I had dude. I had uh, I tweeted about it over the weekend. If you follow me. I had the beignets from the place in oh, Auburn yeah. that oh, yeah. had the peanut butter syrup. Oh my goodness. What a, I mean, I, I felt like I needed to take a nap after that. So hope you yeah. dumped I, it all over yourself and rubbed it around. <laughs> I don't know if I did all that. I was in public. That's not, that's not, a, <laughs> that's, that's not more of a, you, that's more of a you move yes. than, than, than a me move. All right. Let's talk some Auburn football. Uh, eight, eight coming up on Saturday. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the 8A format's like. Uh, Brian Harson talked after their second scrimmage on Saturday and said the injury situation, the roster situation with so many guys, you know, getting stuff cleaned up with surgeries or, you know, nursing some wounds so they can, you know, get back to 100% by the time fall rolls around. It might be hard for them to split evenly teams. So it might be an offensive-defense setup. Uh, we'll, we'll see what that all looks like. But um, – Painter, we wanted to talk about a few topics uh, from over the weekend in in uh, in football. Uh, which direction you want to go first with this one? I guess it only makes sense to start with the position everyone was going to want to talk about. Yes, punter. <laughs> no, uh, quarterback. Uh, so at the Observer on Sunday morning, I wrote a newsletter about Robbie Ashford. Um, I asked Brian Hartson about Robbie Ashford on Saturday. Um, Ashford. So right now the quarterback situation looks like this. Um, TJ Finley continues to get, you know, more reps than anybody else with the ones. He's, you know, the guy who's familiar with the offense. He's the returning starter, quote unquote. That is to be expected. Um, Robbie Ashford has been getting more reps, uh, Harson has said, over the last couple of weeks. That is something we've seen more. We've seen him a lot regularly working with the working. Uh, with the first-team offense being the second guy up in a lot of it. There was a drill on Friday uh, one end of the field. Um, Zach Calzada and Holden Gurner were working on handoffs with the first-team offense, but on the other end of the field, actually throwing uh, the ball, working on that that drill one-on-one with receivers and, and defensive backs were Finley and Ashford. Those have been kind of the two guys that have been one and two right now in camp. Now, all that comes with a major asterisk uh, with Zach Calzada. Zach Calzada is not 100%. He is uh, working his way back uh, from an injury. I think he actually suffered against Auburn last season um, when he was at Texas A&M and their win in College Station. Um, he's wearing a yellow non-contact jersey. Uh, he has been limited in what he can do in drills. We don't have a good 100% kind of look at Calzada yet. So everything we're saying – like. 
Robbie Ashford is getting more reps right now. I think Calzada, if he was healthy, he would be right there with him. Um, but that's just kind of and, – and for Holden Garner, I think it's very much, hey, you're a true freshman. We're just trying to get you into the into the mix, get you used to what you know college football practices are like and all that, and then see where he is in the fall. I think that's kind of the, the, the look for him right now. But Robbie Ashford, I've kind of been – me personally, I've kind of been on the Robbie Ashford train here recently in the spring, um, just watching him practice for the first time and, and seeing him throughout game. I, I really like his arm. I've talked about it before. I, I, his arm talent's really, really good. Um, ball really jumps out of his hands, kind of like with with uh, with TJ Finley. It's just a strong arm. Now, the touch and the accuracy and all that, um, what he actually does in terms of running an offense, uh, kind of putting it all together, and all the stuff that has to do with playing quarterback that isn't just throwing the football um, remains to be seen. And you're not going to get a great look at that in the spring. But really like where Ashford is. Um, I think he's getting more and more reps for a reason. Uh, this is a guy who kind of felt like a wild card uh, coming into this because he transferred after Calzada uh, committed. I think people were surprised at his decision. He transferred – when Austin Davis was the offensive coordinator, obviously no longer the offensive coordinator. Um, so he was just kind of this weird spot where it's like, I, what do we think of Robbie Ashford? Which we'll see what everything looks like. You know, come, like, There's one more week of practice. A-Day will be the most obvious and front-facing look for these quarterbacks. But I will say this. I think we're going to come out of spring practice and, and kind of the thing from the newsletter on Sunday was this. If, if you're not – if you're not taking him seriously as a as as a serious contender uh, in this quarterback battle, you need to start doing that because I think he's come in and proven why Auburn, you know, took a chance on him and brought him in and, and wanted to ha- have him in there, even though he is in a battle with not only a true freshman but more importantly, the other two guys have started quite a few games in SEC in, in the SEC West, and Ashford has not started, hadn't played at all at the college level yet. So there's this. Big, he's like he's got this big wild card factor, which I think is interesting because it's hard to kind of it's kind of hard to figure out what the odds are for him. But Painter, you and I were talking over the weekend around when I was writing the the Ashford newsletter, and I think you as you know as a fan, as an Auburn fan, I I, I think you <laughs> I think what I wrote and what we were talking about, I think you're. You're starting to pick up. It seems to be you're, you're starting to pick up a little bit more excitement about Ashford in particular. You have to know that in all likelihood, it's just going to be okay. Like even if Ashford becomes the starter, then it's a great storyline. Do I think he's likely going to be an All SEC caliber quarterback? Probably not. Like at some probably his own working through being a starter for the first time in the SEC, and also like what's around him. Nonetheless you can get more excited about a guy who hasn't played a lot because you can at least convince yourself, well, it's an unknown commodity. So, you know, how bad yeah. could it be? How good could it get? Yeah, it's 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 unknown potential. Like, we kind of have a foundation of what TJ Finley and Zach Calzada are as starting quarterbacks in the SEC West. Now, there are different situations. There are different uh, ages. There are different supporting casts. Like, and again, and I wrote about it on Friday, there are people that are – and there's a number of you who who, are, who have said, like, hey, if T.J. Finley's a starter, I don't know how I feel about the season, or it just kind of saps your excitement. And my point has been that, like, I don't know how any of these guys are going to turn out, right? You know, it's hard to predict when there's so many unknown commodities and, and so much 
still left to be determined over the next few months. But I do know this. If TJ Finley beats out two guys they brought in and transferred to keep the quarterback job, I think that would show that he has made improvement. Now, is that going to be enough? I don't know. But we've seen guys later in their careers flip the switch. Um, and who knows? Finley could be one of those guys. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's unlikely. I'm just saying it's a possibility. With a guy like Ashford, though, um, I think he, to me, when you look at the the makeup of him as a quarterback, he, he brings a lot of what I think Auburn is going to want with their quarterback. So he is the more scramble or, um, you know, improvise uh, type of uh, a quarterback uh, in this in this room. I think he, you know, he's more of a runner than a TJ Finley or a Zach Calzada. Um, he's got good size at 6'4". I think his athleticism, his arm strength, there's a lot of that where, like, Brian Harson said it on, on Saturday. Phys- he's got the tools. He's got the tools. And I think physically, a lot of the boxes are checked with him. It's just, it's unknown at this point what he can do at the college level because at Oregon, he was in a couple of battles and he got beat out by older guys. And so he never had an opportunity. But made plays in the spring game. Was a guy that um, I think Oregon people were excited about. I think it would have been interesting... Like I heard from somebody that like Miami when when um, Mario Cristobal went to uh, went to Miami, there was talk like, hey, you know, maybe they could pick him off as well um, to bring Astrid with him because apparently he liked Astrid, um, and you know that's yeah that I, there I don't think there's anything concrete about that, but I just know that you know it wasn't that like Oregon didn't believe in him or Oregon didn't think he could be a good quarterback. I think it was just one of those situations where. They went with more experience. They opted with that, and Ashford was just behind guys. Um, but in this spot, it looks like the it feels like at least the battle is a little bit more wide open. Um, you know, there isn't this ultra experienced senior or you know even a senior at all in this battle where you can just say, yeah, they'll probably opt to that. Like I think Calzada is the closest thing to it, and right now we just don't like. I think part of what's going on right now with with Ashford is you just. You don't see Calzada out there in the same way because he's trying to get to 100%. Now, once we get to the fall, and if Calzada can be the quarterback that Auburn thought he was going to be when they when they brought him in, I think that changes the, the dynamic of this battle, and I think there's a reason why a lot of people think he's the favorite. But right now, he can't cement himself as the favorite because literally he's not healthy. Um, but I, it, Ashford... We'll see what it looks like with the bullets are flying. We'll see what it looks like. He's still got, as as Harson said over the weekend, he's still got a lot of learning to do in the system. He's still, I mean, he's still a young quarterback um, who has not played at the college level yet. So, it, if it ends up being him, I think there's a lot of reasons where I think with some patience he could be a really good weapon for Auburn. Um, I think he brings something to the table that's different than than. What Finley brings to the table, what's different than than what uh, Gurner brings to the table, what Calzada brings to the table, he's just a really interesting player, and it's this kind of wild card where it's the unknown potential um, that can be really, really exciting. But I think coming into camp, there was a lot of talk, there's a lot of chatter that's like, yeah, well, I mean, they brought him in, but what is he really going to do? Um, I think he should be taken a lot more seriously now. You can count me in the camp that didn't think that that was a move that made Auburn any better, that just thought, all right, they're picking up somebody else to add to the room, but we won't be talking about Robbie Ashford. 
and you and here's the thing you might not you like it Calzada may end up winning this job. Finley might end up keeping this job. I mean, Holden Gurner might turn into just the perfect, you know, freshman over the, over the next few months. All those things are possible, and, and and it could be a point where we don't see Astro this year. Like I'm not banking anything on it, but I just one of the if you talk about one of the big takeaways we have coming out of spring practices, I think one of them one of my big ones is going to be. Okay, let's let, let's take the let's guy take, seriously as a potential yeah, take, starter, not just as some guy who you added as an emergency he's not a depth, depth piece. piece. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I think yeah, and look, look, he came in saying I want to compete for the starting job, and Auburn brought him in to compete for the starting job. But like, there's one, there's a difference in saying that and actually seeing that, and I think we're seeing that more right now uh, with him. Speaking of the backfield, really cool story this weekend: Sean Jackson getting uh, a scholarship. Um, those videos are always really, really cool to watch. Um, by the way, shout out to um, Sean Jackson's, one of Sean Jackson's coaches uh, at Hewitt Trustful uh, and, and a guy who, who trained him as a running back at Hewitt Trustful was my JV basketball coach, small world. Um, so that was always cool to, to see Coach Johnson back, back, back in there, and I know he's really, really proud of Sean Jackson, uh, especially with um, especially with Jarquez Hunter, recovering from that injury that's going to keep him out for a little while longer um, and that surgery he had. Uh, they've had to look at Sean Jackson a lot more. Like, Demari Austin's coming in in the summer, and Demari Austin's going to be a factor, I think, pretty quickly. Um, but this Sean, Sean Jackson is a walk-on, now turned scholarship player, but he's a different kind of cat. Like, this is he is a different type of dude than just a guy who, just your, your typical walk-on. Sean Jackson um, was really good at Hewitt Trussell. was was a was a really good running back on a really good offense, and he had an offer, I believe, from UAB. I don't think every recruiting service ranked him, but but two four seven had him as a three star. This is a guy that would normally go to kind of a Group of Five program, but he wanted to play in the SEC, and he had a shot to come play at Auburn and be a walk on, and he did, and he bet on himself, and it worked out. And look, when you have Tank Bigsby, when you have Jarquez Hunter, when you have Damari Austin coming in, when you have a guy like Jordan Ingram who's developing well in camp, you don't necessarily need him to be a main guy. But if you talk about playing a role, um, doing something that can help the team out this year, Sean Jackson not only has already done that, but he's going to do that. And like they, Auburn's staff has made no uh as has made no mistake in saying like yeah this is a guy that they're going to rely on this year um you might not see him like you know get a ton of numbers just because of tank and jarquez and some of those guys but uh he's gonna play a role and uh he's a guy that that bet on himself and it worked out and i just think you know we see the video and we see the story that those are always really cool stories and really good feel-good moments but like um there's a lot here with sean jackson that i think uh, it's just it, it's just a really cool story and a really cool spot to see a guy say, you know what, I feel like I can play at this level, and I don't have a scholarship offer to play at this level, but I'm gonna get it <laughs> eventually. Uh, and uh, you know, it took him less than two years to do it, so it's a really really cool moment. Um, I'm blanking on who it was who's a subscriber, but I, I remember when he came into camp when he came onto the roster um, last fall. I got emails and comments from, from and, I'm, and I'm blanking on who it if is. If that's you, just let us know. We will give you your due. 
uh, I'm gonna look in my Gmail inbox right now um, to make sure I, make sure I, I, I get it right. Um, but we have, yeah, we had uh, we had some people say like, hey, uh, look at look, take a closer look at Sean Jackson. And I think early on I kind of was like, okay, he's a walk on, but he's proven to be more than a walk on, and uh, now he's a, now he's a scholarship. Well, it's just a really really cool story, and uh, I think a lot of Auburn fans he's gonna be easy to cheer for for sure. Let us hope that the. Uh... The guy that comes in with the good story finishes out the last two years with a nice story. I hope that it culminates in some playing time and actually meaningful snaps. But either way, even if none of that happens, uh, as you already said, a nice story. Uh, another thing that we talked about a little bit last week, a lot more talked about it uh, you know, over the weekend with, uh, with 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 the scrimmage, is Landon King, uh, Auburn Twitter's icon, Landon King. Um, Landon King is a tight end. Uh, Auburn has said they're going to keep him at tight end. Uh, <laughs> when we talked last week uh, to uh, Auburn's tight ends coach, he said, hey, look, we are going to – Brad Bedell, he said, look, we're going to – I don't want to give him up, basically. Not going to give him up that easily. We see him at practice. He is playing wide receiver and tight end. They're moving him around. Brian Harson's quote on uh, Landon King. I want to uh, say, <clears throat> want to get, want to get this, uh, want to get this right. So here I'm pulling up the quote. He said, uh, "Yeah, I'm not sure what to call him yet. What I'd say about Landon is that Landon gets it. Came in at tight end. We played him at wide receiver. We've gone back and forth. We just need him out there. Uh, a lot of fun. I I don't know what you're going to see all from him this year, but when you think about a position group that is insanely stacked at tight end, and a wide receiver group that could use some help. We've seen Landon King play quote-unquote wide receiver, but he's remained a tight end. They're making more of an effort, at least when we are out there watching it, of putting him at wide receiver. And um, when you think about the players on this team where you can say, you can, be, you can get excited about this guy or this guy or this guy uh, on this roster, I, I have to think Landon King's one of them for a lot of people. I mean, it's pretty much tanking him. And, like, tanks the guy. You go, well, he's a skilled position player. We know he's talented. Don't know what it means for him, but there is some chance at being in the NFL. Outside of him offensively, I'm not saying that there aren't other people on the offense, but he's the only one right now I feel confident going, that guy's playing in the NFL on some level. Yeah, there there are a number of guys on this team that I think have that potential, but they just got to go out and prove it, right? And then Landon King is, like, the ultimate example of that, of, like, this – Rangy guy, good athlete, already made a little bit of a splash as a freshman. This is where you expect to see the big growth from freshman to sophomore year. So, again, kind of in the same vein of Robbie Ashford, but maybe with a little bit more evidence, mm-hmm. you look at a guy like King and go, okay, this is a year that maybe we can expect something big out of him. And I think, you know, one of the things that um, Eric Kiesel said early in practices was about, like, looking at NFL film, and just saying, like, learning, you know, it was in reference to, like, how Tank Bigsby, um, you know, his running style and how what how we can find, if you're Auburn, how we can find better ways uh, to use him and to utilize him uh, running the ball. And then Brian Harson said, like, hey, we're always looking at the NFL. We're always looking at the next level for inspiration. Um, you know, they had just had this coaches clinic uh, for a lot of high school coaches th- this past past week. 
And, um, you know, one of his former guys uh, is the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys and Kellen Moore, one of the one of the hot, uh, you know, young names in coaching that a lot of people think is going to be going to be a head coach sooner rather than later. Um, but you're always looking at the league. And, and I think there's so many examples in the NFL of guys that are tight ends but aren't necessarily just straight up tight ends that you can use him as receivers. I think Kyle Pitts is the obvious example um, of a guy that moves around a ton, but like. Travis Kelsey and maybe Kittle's more of that traditional tight end, but like George Kittle makes a lot of sense. There's just Darren Waller. Darren Waller is a great example of a guy you can move around and do a lot of different things with. That's kind of what football is heading towards um, where and we saw this with Tyree Kill. We see this at, at other positions and other groups where it's like, you're just a football player. Can you run? Can you catch? We'll use you. Um, Debo Samuel, you know, the ultimate example from this past season. I think we're seeing this at the wide receiver tight end spot and just be versatile. You've got to be able to do everything. Something Bedell talked about last week with the tight end. So being a quote-unquote wide receiver and doing wide receiver things, it might not be something that like those skills need to be involved for every tight end. But when you're a guy that is like actually doing the work and playing that position, um, I think it says a lot about you. And I think what Harson says uh, stands out like we need him out there. Like, yeah, he, he he makes plays. He's got size that you don't have a ton of in the wide receiver room. Uh, he's got athleticism um, that I think separates separates himself from, like, a lot of different tight ends. He'll be a lot of fun to watch. He's kind of that X factor, kind of move him around, see where he goes. And he's so young, uh, and he's kind of developing where he doesn't need to be a guy who gets, you know, five, six catches a game for him to necessarily be this – huge player I think he can be a really good role spot for Auburn and, and let him grow and that will be a lot of fun to watch that wide receiver room um could use some help from the tight end group I know you wrote yeah. about the tight end yeah. depth like it's like all right well this would be a nice year for all that tight end experience to come to fruition it, it will and I think Auburn is going to try to get a wide receiver in the portal like they or, or two like they that <laughs> that and edge that and edge are the two like we talk about how many guys you can get in the portal and how many guys you can refill and all that. And like all the, all the black magic that comes into, you know, the numbers game in college football, um, a wide receiver and edge are the, the ones like big flashing red lights. Like people want to say offensive line. I'm like, yeah, the future of the offensive line is a question, but if you're talking about 2022, you need guys at wide receiver and you need depth at edge like right now. Um, and so, how can you help in the meantime? And I think a guy like Landon King does that. And then there's guys that are, you know, at the wide receiver room that are in the wide receiver room that are coming along. Like Brian Harson made a point on Saturday to say like, man, Malcolm Johnson has done really well in spring. We've talked about Tavares Dawson. We've talked about Jay. I mean, Jay fair is another guy who's stood out. Um, but a guy like King just gives something to, a different dimension, a new a new wrinkle to that spot, and it's just yeah, they need help. They need help. They need development. We all know that. And until we get to September and October, we don't know what that's going to look like. We'll just sit here talk talking about it for the next five or six months until it actually happens. You know, it's 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 a lot of questions. It's a lot of chatter. But in the room and in the program, there's a lot of confidence that Landon King can be that guy for him. So to to help out. So it'll be interesting to see. You where all that goes uh, with, with that spot. And, and I, I'm i going to be very interested in watching Malcolm Johnson and Jay Fair and Travis Dawson and all those guys in spring, you know, in the spring game in 8A um, and what they do in the summer and the fall because even if you bring in more guys and you have Shed Jackson coming back and you have Javarius Johnson coming back, 
even with all that, with the tight, you need you can bring a guy or two in from the portal, but you're still going to need those guys to step up. Like you still need a lot more options and a lot more development. So uh, who's going to be that breakout guy or two? Because I think they could use multiple of them. So we will see about that crew. Basketball season's that, almost over, but gymnastics still got a little bit left in it. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that. A um, couple of things. So these are sports we don't write about and talk about very often. You know, we don't write about them hardly uh, at all at, at the observer. We just focus on football, men's basketball, but we like to talk about them, especially in the off season uh, from time to time. Auburn gymnastics. I'll end with gymnastics first. Auburn softball, big win Friday night against Florida. Wasn't able to get the next two in the series at home. A tough series loss, but Auburn softball knocking the cover off the ball this year. Very young team um, in the absolute, like, the 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 toughest softball conference in America by far. Auburn is holding their own. They're doing really, really well early on with a team that I don't think there was a ton expected out of them uh, heading into the season. So still a really good sign even with the series loss to, to an always strong Florida team. Auburn baseball going down to Alex Box and Baton Rouge getting two out of three there. That's huge. That's historic. You know, really, really big wins uh, there uh, for the for those programs. And as we always say on the show, uh, support and follow and read the folks who are covering uh, those teams, softball and and uh, and baseball. Jason Caldwell, Brian Matthews on the softball side. Philip Marshall uh, has been has been kind of the king on that beat for a while now. Continue to read them and support them. They they have a lot more in depth stuff than we would ever possibly have. But gymnastics. Big weekend in Auburn this past weekend with uh, the NCAA regional uh, Auburn hosting. Thursday uh, didn't have their best stuff. They, they still advanced. They needed to be one of the top two teams. Anyway, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you have four, you have to be a top two, then you have another one of four, and you have to be the top two to go to nationals. That first one, they were in second behind Kentucky. Kentucky had an insanely good meet. Auburn lost a meet in their own building to Kentucky. Um, and so they had to beat out Kentucky on Saturday. Rough start. Uh, had like SUNY Lee got a deduction and Sophia Groff, like two of their best, uh, got deductions early on. And then Auburn nailed it with their last three rotations. You you had like Drew Watson, Darion Goburn have in, incredible uh, final performances in at home in Auburn, which is really cool to see. Help slam the door. Auburn's going to nationals. Big 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 uh, accomplishment for a team going to the Elite Eight. Auburn has only made it this far once, I think, in gymnastics history uh, for the program. Uh, and it shows the strength of the team, even when SUNY was not at their her absolute best in in this in this postseason. Um, the veterans and just the, the depth of the squad really, really stood out. And so congratulations to them. It was a whole lot of fun. And I think Auburn, I think I keep calling it Auburn Arena. Uh, Neville Arena is uh got to got to watch a lot of good gymnastics meanwhile like florida was on a different planet like they were a point ahead of auburn and were landing tens left and right so uh but auburn is 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 making history as a program uh this year and that that gymnastics program uh been a whole lot of fun to watch this year couldn't have said it better myself i think pablo got a video of them trying to dump gatorade on gray but apparently ran away so <laughs> i'm glad uh, it's, pablo it's was, was, was doing his good work and good for them yeah, and uh, a couple of you, actually more than a couple, a few of you have asked about a bonus podcast or something here in the future uh, about Auburn going to nationals. Uh, we had one uh, before the really big meet earlier this year, uh, year with uh, with Justin Lee. I think we are going to work to have another one of those sometime next week before Auburn goes to nationals to give you a guide of like, here's what to expect, here's what 
Um, here's what the scoring looks like. Here's what, oh, here's what's at stake. Here's, you know, all that stuff uh, because uh, Lee breaks it down better than anybody. Uh, and uh, it'll be it'll be fun seeing Auburn on the national stage in gymnastics. So baseball, softball, gymnastics, the conference tennis teams are just uh, playing really, really well right now. A lot of good stuff out there. So if you're in the area, go out and, and watch some of these teams. And, uh, you know, like I said, we will we we will spend our time with the teams. Our focus is on the teams that are currently in their offseason. Uh, but uh, a lot of good stuff happening around the Plains for sure uh, at, at a pretty fun time of year. So I think that'll do it. Uh, subscribe to The Observer if you haven't. $6 a month or $60 a year. There will be links and buttons and all that uh, to subscribe if you would like to. Um, we'll have coverage of basketball and football throughout the week. We will talk to you guys who are subscribers later in the week with our premium podcast. The rest of you, we'll talk to you next week uh, after uh, Auburn's 8 day game. That'll do it. Painter, final thoughts. Who is the only player ever named NCAA Final Four MVP three times? Round the city, round the clock. Everybody needs you. No, you can't make everybody equal. Although you got Buku family, you don't even got nobody being honest with you. Breathe till I evaporated. My whole body see through transportation handmade. And I know it better than most people. I don't trust them anyways. You can't break the law with them. Get some good she ever calm night. Judas killing left and right. Working through your worst night.